Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Will America's peace plan with Israel and the United Arab Emirates end terrorism? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and you're a terrorist therapist. Will America's peace plan with Israel and UAE end terrorism? That's what everybody's wondering about. Well, this historic treaty between Israel and the United Arab Emirates is an amazing accomplishment, and it could be a great beginning for peace in the region, but will the Palestinians and the terrorists allow it to continue? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, First, I'm going to be talking to you about this uh, announcement giving you some highlights from the actual announcement from the White House that occurred on August 13th. Um, And uh, I must say, I was caught, well, everyone, I believe, except the people who were in the know, were caught by surprise. And regardless of whether you think, uh, whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump, his timing, you got to admit, was brilliant. Because um, this was, I mean, they obviously had to have known about this for quite a while. I mean, it was in the, in the works for quite a while. And uh, it culminated, presumably close to the date he announced it. But picking uh, the date right after Kamala Harris was announced as the vice president, and that was making all the headlines, <laughs> taking away her thunder by announcing this um, was brilliant. And... Um, So we need to think about why Israel and the UAE agreed to be friends at this time. Um, The UAE, you know, up until now, uh, they were not on friendly terms, needless to say. They banned Israeli products, for example. And um, most uh, obvious is their desire to have a stronger front against Iran who has been building nuclear weapons and uh, making friends with other countries and, and uh, I mean, besides in the Middle East and so on. And um, it was time that they you know, realized that in addition to all kinds of economic um, advantages and tourism advantages and so on, that uh, it was the time was ticking in terms of being able to be united to face Iran. And um, so let me, let me t- give you some of these highlights. 
um, I was, <laughs> I heard about this really just coincidentally, again, because nobody was expecting it or I wasn't uh, at that time or any time. Um, I was sitting in a makeup chair <laughs> with my with my makeup person because I had television interviews uh, scheduled during the day, not about this, of course, um, actually about coronavirus and going back to school and uh, things like that. Um, and all of a sudden in the background, the television was on, on a news station, and it cut into this uh, breaking news of Trump and people around him in the White House um, making this announcement. So I'm gonna read you some of the highlights from this. I mean, it was, it was just jaw-dropping. So first the president said, well, thank you very much. This is very important. This is a big event. And I want to just congratulate all of the people standing behind me because they have done an incredible job. This is something that has, hasn't been done in more than 25 years. Um, just a few moments ago, I hosted a very special call with two friends, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel and Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed of the United Arab Emirates where they agreed to finalize a historical peace agreement. Everybody said this would be impossible. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm sure he wanted to check before he made the final announcement that yes, they were both still on board. Anyhow, he said, uh, after 49 years, Israel and the United Arab Emirates will fully normalize their diplomatic relations. They will exchange embassies and ambassadors and begin cooperation across the board and on a broad range of areas, including tourism, education, healthcare, trade, and security. And that's another, um, another reason uh, also that probably contributed to this, the coronavirus and helping each other out. And I really don't know about the um, health situation uh, the health um, department or health system in uh, the UAE, but in Israel, it is top notch. Um, and the president continued, this is a truly historic moment, not since the Israel-Jordan peace treaty was signed more than 25 years ago, has so much progress been made towards peace in the Middle East. I'm skipping, I'm just picking out the highlights. I'm not reading every word. This deal will allow much greater access to Muslims from throughout the world to visit the many historic sites in Israel, which the Muslims want to see very badly and have wanted to see for many, many decades, and to peacefully pray at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is a very special place for them. Then he talks about um, his trip to Saudi Arabia in, in 2017, which um, I hope, I, I trust that many of you remember. I mean, it was pretty stunning to see him standing in the front of, in the, front of the room with all of these um, people from Muslim countries and, and uh, you know, being, this was early on, well, let me just read what he wrote, what he said, um, but it was early on, and I remember looking at this and thinking, is somebody going to shoot him or do something to him? It just seemed like a very, uh, I mean, yes, of course, there were tons of security, but it, no other president had put themselves in a room with 54 uh, people from Muslim countries at a time when terrorism was rampant in the Middle East. So he said in his speech, 
My first trip as president was to Saudi Arabia in May of 2017. In my speech to the assembled leaders of 54 Muslim countries, every single one was by their leader, their number one leader. It was an amazing, really an incredible event, a very important event. I made clear that the problems of the Middle East can only be solved when people of all faiths come together to fight Islamic extremism and pursue economic opportunity for people of all faiths. So, you know, that, I mean, when you look at the context, his having done that in 2017, right after he got elected, and then you have this peace treaty coming now, um, you know, it's not like he just uh, decided to do this. This has been something that he's been working on his whole presidency. Um, I want to thank the leaders of Israel and the UAE for their courage and for their leadership to forge this tremendous agreement. It will be known as the Abraham Accord. And I'd like to ask our ambassador, David Freeman, to please explain what, why we're doing and calling it the Abraham Accord. Um, so Ambassador David Friedman then said, Abraham, as many of you know, was the father of all three great faiths. He is referred to as Abraham in the Christian faith, Ibrahim in the Muslim faith, and Avraham in the Jewish faith. And no person better symbolizes the potential for unity among all these three great faiths than Abraham. And that's why this accord has been given that name. I think, I think that is, I think that's the, the that's all the highlights I'm going to read. Needless to say, this goes <laughs> on and on, but those are the most important, well, I don't know the most important, but, uh, that gives you the idea. I'm sure you don't want me to read the whole 20-page uh, uh, speech that um, President Trump gave. But, I mean, you can, I think it was certainly worth reading that because it just puts the whole, um, the whole Abraham uh, agreement or accord, uh, you know, it brings the, the whole um, power of it, you know, the, the amazing, um, historical importance of this. So when we come back, um, I'm going to be talking to you. First, I'll tell you a little bit about what some of the media had to say. Of course, you know, it depends upon which media you're listening to. But um, uh, then I'm going to get into which people aren't happy about this. You know, is this... Um, uh, is everybody thinking of this as having great, well, I mean, everybody has to think of it as having great historical significance, but um, how they are going to react to that, you know, it might have different historical significance to different people. So I'm going to be talking about why some people aren't happy. Again, not in any way to, uh, to detract from this. I certainly hope and expect that this will be something that lasts for a very long time, if not indefinitely, the Abraham Accord. So we'll be right back. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's Hottest Topic Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. 
Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be talking about for a change, a positive thing in regard to terrorism. Uh, we're talking about the Abraham Accord that was just announced. And um, we're looking at Will America's Peace Plan with Israel and UAE end terrorism. So, um, you know, of course, depending upon whether media uh, outlets liked President Trump or whether they liked Israel or, you know, whatever their political um, leanings are, you will, of course, get different reports. Um, I like the, I really like the New York Post, you know, coming from New York, born and bred. Um, I used to read and, and still do now on the internet, read the New York Post a lot. Um, and they had, you know, they are relatively fair. <laughs> uh, some would say they are too pro-Trump, but um, really compared to a lot of things, they are relatively fair and they give great reporting. So they had to say about this announcement um, that, let's see, uh, that what they... Um, what they mentioned was about how Israel will suspend declaring sovereignty over areas in Trump's peace plan to focus on improving its ties with the, um, with the rest of the Arab world. And that was part of the agreement. Now, they make the point that the, this key concession would never have been possible unless Trump and Bibi, Netanyahu in other words, had moved toward annexation in the first place. That is, they created a bargaining chip that they then gave up in the cause of peace. Despite the fact that many Israelis see annexing land um, as the wisest course. In other words, um, you may have um, been hearing about how in recent months um, Netanyahu has been talking about how, you know, if he continues as um, uh, the head of Israel, that he is going to annex or take back uh, lands, Palestinian, well, Israeli lands um, that the Palestinian, on the, from the West Bank, that the Palestinians are living on, that he was going to annex that back to Israel. So, um, that, I don't think that he did that necessarily. I mean, who knows? He's very clever too. He and Fox are both, um, both very clever. And so, but I think, I mean, I don't really think it was just to make this uh, peace treaty work because that, that has been Netanyahu's plan for a long time. He's wanted to take those lands back. But perhaps the timing of it, reinstating that now, did certainly help in making this peace treaty came come about, because um, this was this allowed um, the UAE to show that they were doing something for the Palestinians, um, that allowed them to save face by using Israel's agreeing to back off on those plans as the reason why they were signing this peace plan. So um, now an interesting thing that the Post talks about is how um, Biden had called this a historic step 
He didn't mention President Trump in his statement, Biden's statement, and he tried, Biden tried to take credit himself, saying that the deal, quote, builds on the efforts of multiple administrations, including the Obama team, the Obama-Biden team. And so the Post makes the point that, yes, Biden is right in that, uh, in a way, because, quote, it was his administration's ill-advised Iran nuclear deal that gave the murderous mullahs billions of dollars to spend on terrorism. The increased threat from Iran brought Israel and most Arab nations closer together in fear of their common enemy, though that isn't exactly what Team Obama intended. So, you know, um, I mean, really, I... I've talked about this in previous podcasts early on um, about how the Iran deal was so dangerous for the U.S. and for Israel, but especially for the U.S. Um, and and yes, Obama, and if Biden wants to take the credit for that, Obama did that too. And that was the worst thing, the most dangerous thing that their administration accomplished. Um now let's see and then of course there were people who other all kinds of people um who had predicted that when trump moved the u.s embassy to jerusalem that that was going to destroy the peace or such as it was in the middle east so that's another thing that this historic um abraham accord has um has accomplished to show that no you know that wasn't that didn't in fact disrupt the peace. Um, okay, so let me talk about who isn't happy. So I was just telling you about some Israelis aren't happy, but they are not going to do anything to disrupt the Abraham Accord, I can assure you, because uh, they are happier that to have the UAE as a friend against Iran. So, but who isn't happy? The uh, Palestinians aren't happy, um, and the and terrorists aren't happy. So here are some things that Palestinians have said. The Palestinian Authority, President Mahmoud Abbas, was joined by all the Palestinian factions in blasting Thursday's announcement that diplomatic relations would open between the United Arab Emirates, Emirates and Israel. And they said, we call on the United Arab Emirates to repeal this agreement immediately. So they're not wasting any time. Uh, the Palestinian Authority and other Palestinian factions uh, want it repealed immediately. Uh, it, they say it damages the rights of Palestinians and betrays Jerusalem and Palestine. Then also there was a Palestinian statement that came out that said, the Palestinian leadership rejects what the United Arab Emirates has done as a betrayal. Uh, demanding, we demand that the UAE immediately withdraw from this disgraceful declaration. So they are not happy. Um, another, the, the Palestinian Authority, there's another, another article quoting them uh, saying, it's a despicable betrayal. The Palestinian Authority demands a retraction of the Israel deal. So, you know, I mean, this is not surprising. Um, and they're saying the leadership affirms that the UAE or any other party has no right to speak on behalf of the Palestinians. 
you know, um, the Islamic Jihad also denounced the United States. So we have Palestinians, which were, um, you know, predictable, and Islamic Jihad, predictable. Hamas also, none of these people are happy about this um, Abraham Accord. Now, is, are they going to do anything about it? What are they going to do about it? That is going to be, that is left to be seen. Um, you know, is there going to be, are they going to attack Israel? Uh, chances are, that at least for the Palestinians, chances are, and even for the uh, other terrorists, um, or terrorists, uh, chances are that they would more likely attack Israel than the UAE, certainly. Uh, although they're not happy with them either. Um, but, so the question is, you know, what, if anything, are they going to do? And is that going to be enough to destroy uh, the accord? Now, when we, and we're going to now talk about another aspect of this. These are the people who aren't happy. Um, you know, the, the Palestinians, as I just said, they feel betrayed terror organizations fighting for the Palestinians like Hamas. I just uh, quoted them. They're not happy either. Iran, um, who was rattling, saber, rattling sabers, of course, they're not happy. <laughs> we have to mention Iran. Needless to say, they are not happy that Israel and the UAE joined forces because both of them are rather um, powerful foes. And then other terrorist organizations, you know, if they turn against them. So um, now, and the question is also, will these people, these people who aren't happy, do something aggressive, violent in the Middle East, but also they're not happy with America? So there, are there going to be more terror attacks in America because of this? Um, well, we're going to have to see how this plays out. When we come back, I'm going to talk about another aspect of this, and that is, can we and Israel trust the United Arab Emirates. So stay tuned. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about good news about terrorism, at least for the time being. The Abraham Accord, uh, the peace plan that America just announced between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. And the question is, will this end terrorism? So in this uh, segment, I'm going to talk to you about whether the United States and Israel can trust the United Arab Emirates, um, or did they, you know, did their fear of Iran make them jump into this? Well, it doesn't seem like they jumped. <laughs> I mean, I think this has been uh, being negotiated for quite a while, but um, still, did, the, did they lose sight of the dangers? Are there any dangers in the United Ar Arab Emirates? And did Israel lose sight of them because of wanting another country to be friends with them against Iran. Well, I think um, 
I think it seems, I mean, we can, you can never, you never really know, really, really, but um, there are good signs, let's put it that way, from uh, UAE. For example, um, they have continued to prosecute multiple individuals for terrorism-related offenses uh, for years. And they have been in collaboration with the United States in law enforcement on re in regard to counterterrorism cases. Uh, the UAE has also been a member in, of the Global Coalition to Defeat ISIS. It remained a, it's a, still a co-chair of the Defeat ISIS Coalition's Communication Working Group. And then there are other other groups also that um, that the UAE belongs to that are against terrorism. They have a security department, of course, that has been continuing to monitor suspect, suspected terrorists, and they have foiled potential terror attacks in the UAE, which is why they um, haven't had... Um, haven't had terror attacks. Um, they, there were no terrorist attacks in 2019 in the UAE, for example. Um, what else can I tell you? They are, they've been working on count, countering the financing of terrorism. Um, in 20, oh, this is interesting. In 2019, um, you know, it really does speak to, I mean, there are a number of things, I'm just giving you highlights, but there are a number of things that seem to indicate that the UAE really is serious in not only being against terrorists, but trying to um, have peace in the Middle East. In 2019, the UAE uh, declared that year the year of tolerance and they organize public events um, at home and abroad to promote these values, tolerance, coexistence, cooperation, amongst people from all races and religions. They hosted the World Tolerance Summit, um, and they announced the construction of an Abrahamic family house to promote interfaith harmony, and this was in 2019, and, and commemorate the historic visit of Pope Francis to, in 2019. So um, it's not clear really, um, this Abrahamic family house was to commemorate the Pope's visit. I mean, it's interesting that they used <laughs> the same, you know, Abraham, Abrahamic. Um, okay, so what, what things, you know, have caused us to, be leery of the UAE. There have been things um, that have, you know, that, that have been uh, questionable, particularly the, um, in regard to Al-Qaeda, the 9-11 Commission report stated that several 9-11 hijackers traveled to the United States via uh, Dubai International Airport. 17 of the, well, they give different numbers, but according to the Library of Congress, it's 17 of the 19 hijackers transited tr through the UAE in the months before 9-11. Um, so that's their connection to that. But of course, the UAE is saying that um, 
that they did not, they weren't, they weren't, yes, they may have transited through uh, Dubai airport, but they, UAE wasn't behind them or wasn't uh, uh, facilitating 9-11. And then in fact, um, there, uh, there has no official connection to the sponsor of terrorism was found between the UAE uh, and 9-11. Although there was another report that said that the hijackers, 9-11 hijackers, received funding from terror investors in the UAE who raised funds through their UAE-based businesses. That's been a question whether, you know, the UAE, there seems to be uh, funding that's been running through the UAE to fund to fund terrorism, um, and because let's see, uh, according to the 9/11 Commission report, in response to these concerns, the concerns about the UAE banking system, uh, it they did um, the well what the UAE has done when the 9/11 Commission reports. It, uh, had these concerns about the UAE banking system and whether it's been used, whether it was used by the 9-11 hijackers to launder funds, the UAE adopted uh, laws to give the central bank, this was in 2002, the power to freeze any suspected accounts for seven days without prior legal permission. And um, this, they made a report that's, the, the report uh, from the 9-11 Commission said, banks have been advised to carefully monitor transactions passing through the UAE from Saudi Arabia and Pakistan and are now subject to more stringent transaction and client reporting requirements. And they, and they did this, the UAE did this in 2002. It's not like just right now to get this peace accord. They did this back in 2002. Um, there were other skeptics about the UAE's connection. Skeptics had, uh, people were skeptical in Washington about whether the UAE might be associated with Osama bin Laden because there was supposed to be a drone strike in 1999. Um, this was mentioned in the September 11th Commission report, but this was in 1999 that the U.S. was going to have a drone strike. Um, against Osama bin Laden, and they missed this opportunity. And it was said that um, that this was that the that the strike was abandoned due to it being located Osama being located in a UAE-run hunting camp in Afghanistan. But there has been no proof of this. Um, and then this the 9/11 Commission report said that the strike wasn't called off because of. Um, the UAE, but it was because the intelligence was dubious. Then there have been, as you probably know, lawsuits against the UAE in regard to 9-11, but these have been dismissed. So, um, so you know, the, um, there, there have been businesses in the UAE that have been implicated in the funding of the Taliban, uh, but then, you know, the UAE has taken steps and they've, uh, affirmed their policy of zero tolerance towards terrorism financing. 
they have since then they have played an active role the the armed forces from the UAE has played an active role in the in the United States war on terror um, and they in fact they were named by US Defense Secretary James Mattis and other United States Armed Forces generals as Little Sparta for being the US's right-hand ally on the war on terror and um, then uh, they've also the UAE has designated um, in 2014, they designated a list of 83 organizations and entities as terrorist entities, organizations, and this includes the Muslim Brotherhood, Al-Qaeda, Taliban, Hezbollah, Houthis, the Islamic State. And so, you know, I mean, yes, could that just be in word? But um, I think they have been, for these various reasons, um, have been proving themselves and including um, including in regard to the Taliban, you know, as I was starting to mention, it's the only, the UAE is the only Arab country to serve and contribute forces alongside American forces to the mission in Afghanistan. So, you know, <laughs> I think they have done, although there were some things that were questionable um, a while ago, they seem to have been proven to have been proving themselves in more recent years, I mean, since 9-11, in more recent years, to be a friend of the U.S. and to um, be, you know, to be a force along with the U.S. in fighting terrorism in the Middle East. So I think that um, it looks now like we can really... Um, trust them. I mean, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to, uh, I mean, they are putting themselves, just another little point, they are, as, as I was just talking about the people who aren't happy, they are putting themselves um, out, they're going out on a limb, obviously. There are other um, Arab countries who are not happy with, besides Iran, who are not happy with the United Arab Emirates. Uh, making this peace plan. So they are, you know, they are putting themselves out on a limb. And so I think, I think we have reason to trust them. So the bottom line, is this new peace treaty good for the terrorists? <laughs> the answer is no. Will this mean the end of terror attacks in the U.S. and the Middle East and all over the world? No, the answer is also no. But it's a step in the right direction. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. 
We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.